Okay, I think the computer's about to go to sleep, John. That would be bad since we're hosting from there on Zoom and it's got our PowerPoint. Uh, well, it's good to be with you all. Um, if you would, turn over in your New Testaments to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews chapter 11. And the majority of our sermons and our lessons are going to be coming from there this week. Let me pull up my notes. Um, when John asked me to come over and do this, we're trying to make it work. You all were trying to fit it in before the end of the year, and I was trying to fit it in before the end of the year. You all are my last gospel meeting before the holidays, and so we squeezed it in just at the very end, and I'm really excited about that. I'm also really excited you all are close enough that I get to sleep in my own bed every night. Like, that's fantastic. So thank you for making your building so close to my house. I know that's why you did it. Um... This is going to be more of a Bible class. Uh, I, I believe you all normally have Bible class at this time. And so we'll just, we'll do that. I'll be asking questions and hopefully you all feel comfortable contributing. Um, really quick, why do you think that it's important to talk about faith? Thank you. Because in Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we, I think we talked about this. We just finished a weekend workshop um, up at our family place um, this weekend. So some folks came to our place on Thursday night and stayed through all day Friday, and they were there half the day yesterday. And one of the things that we talked about was you could have two identical families, right? You could have two identical families, and they do exactly everything the same. They're good people, they pay their taxes, they follow the laws, you know, the, the, the spouses are faithful to each other, the kids are respectful to their parents. You could have two identical families. And when they pass away and they stand before God, God's going to look at one family and he's pleased with them and the other family he's not. And what makes the difference? Faith. Because the other one did all that they did because they thought they had to do it. It's the right thing to do, and we're just going to be good people, good people, good people. And the other ones are like, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me, but God said to do it that way, and so that's why I'm going to do it. Out of my faith in him, 
And that makes all the difference, right? So without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm just going to rattle off a couple of other verses really quick to talk about why it's so important that we talk about faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. And I'm going to mute something over here really quick because I hear myself. <laughs> That's just really disconcerting. Um, James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 17. James said, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action or by works, it's dead. So biblical faith is a faith that responds. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. Paul said, as scripture says, anyone who believes or has faith in him will never be put to shame. It requires faith. Or Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace through faith. Okay. And if you go to Romans chapter 1, he makes a really great point over in Romans 1. And I want to I read that context. Romans chapter 1. Starting in verse 16. We're all familiar with verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first and also for the Greek. And we usually stop there. But then you look at verse 17. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And I don't think he's talking about the right things of God. I think he's talking about the, the way to be right with God. Right standing with God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And if you look at a paraphrased Bible, it might say something like this. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a process that begins and ends with faith. That's the idea. Faith goes all the way through that process. It starts with faith. It ends with faith. So faith is really, really important. So if faith is that important, we should talk about faith a little bit more, right? And the, the reason uh, I put this series together is a couple of years ago, I want to say it was back in 2019, babe, we were down in Birmingham, and I was preaching for a church down in Birmingham, Alabama, and the elders and I always came up with an annual theme for the year. You know, we're going to preach on this once a month for 12 months. And as we were talking about the needs of the congregation and what did we think we needed, we were like, we need to talk more about faith and biblically what faith is, and we need to have more faith and an active faith, a biblical faith. And so that's where this series originated from, and you all get to be the benef beneficiaries of that. So let's go to Hebrews 11. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. And all we're going to do for the Bible class period is we're just going to make some observations, look at some themes, some big ideas, and then the rest of the week, um, starting with the sermon this morning, is we're going to look at some of those lives that are mentioned, and I've just picked a handful, um, and we're going to focus on their example of faith. All right, so Hebrews 11, and we'll read, uh, we'll read the first three verses. Um, can I get somebody who's comfortable reading to read those first three verses for us? Go ahead, John. Okay, 
We start with verse 1. We've heard that verse quoted a lot, I'm sure, in Bible classes and in sermons. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. There are some concepts there that I want to touch on really quick. So faith, faith is a response to what in verse 3? The universe was created by what? The word. God spoke, right? So all through this chapter, we're going to have examples of people who are responding to what they heard God say. God spoke. Why would I listen to God? Why would I listen to God when God speaks? Okay, so the point in verse 3 is that the universe responded to God when God spoke. Like, if, if inanimate things like rocks and trees and dirt and mud and, like, grass and all this stuff, animals, if those things responded to the word of God, then how should I respond to the word of God? Right? So it starts with there is a massive, powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God who is speaking and faith is action taken in response to God and his promises. So as you go down through the chapter and you start looking at these people, and I'm just going to rattle off the people and try to, we did this this weekend too with the folks at our workshop. I'm going to start with Abel because Abel is mentioned in verse 4, and I'm going to go through about 16 people. So I'm going to move pretty quick. By faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice by faith noah constructed an ark by faith abraham went out of ur by faith sarah conceived by faith abraham offered isaac by faith isaac invoked blessings by faith jacob blessed the sons of joseph by faith joseph gave directions regarding his final burial place by faith moses was hidden by his parents by faith, Moses refused to identify as a prince. By faith, Moses endured. By faith, Moses kept the Passover. By faith, Israel crossed the Red Sea. By faith, Israel walked around Jericho. By faith, Rahab showed hospitality. And this is the theme, right? When you, when you just rattle down through it shotgun style, is by faith, someone did this. By faith, someone did this. By faith, they did, 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 did verbs. They did stuff, right? There was action, and that makes the point, our first point. Faith is action taken in response to God and his promises, where God told, he spoke to all of those people and said, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, with promises attached to it. Does that make sense? Okay. So we've got about eight. We've got about eight things that we want to look at this morning. This is just the first. And if I move really quick, just let me know. But before I move on to the second point, any questions or comments? Anything you'd add to that? Okay, then let's, let's keep going. Second point. I don't have their names up there, but think about all the names I just rattled off. And I'll, I'll go down through them a little bit slower. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. Abraham is mentioned again. Isaac. Jacob, 
Joseph, Moses, the nation of Israel, twice, Rahab. What were those people like? Were they good people? Okay, Sarah says they weren't perfect. I would agree they were imperfect. You might say flawed, broken. Okay. Faith is letting an amazing God work in imperfect people. None of these people did any of these things because they were so great. Actually, it was the opposite. The fact that they were broken actually pointed to how great God was, that God could use a broken person to do things like that. It actually glorifies God when a broken, imperfect person says, use me how you want to use me. You know, think about, uh, think about some New Testament examples. I'm thinking one right off the top of my head. Think about Paul over in 2 Corinthians when he's got the thorn in the flesh and he's praying for God to take it away, take it away, take it away, like it's slowing me down, it hurts. And God says, my strength is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul said, fine, I'll stop praying about it. Because if, if God could use a broken, hurting vessel like Paul, it points to how great God is, and it actually takes the focus off of Paul. So when people see Paul keep trucking and keep going, and good stuff happens, he's like, it's not me, because look, I'm broken and I've got this thorn. If something good is happening, it's God. So faith is letting an amazing God work in imperfect people. And you can probably think of some examples of that in your life that you've seen, where there, there are people that may be slowing down, they may be hurting, but they just keep doing what God wants them to do in life. Any thoughts or questions on that point? talk about a third think about that list again that list of people the whole chapter i mean you're talking hundreds and hundreds of years covered in that list of names um faith is the link in every single one and so i keep going back to romans 117 a process that begins and ends with faith is there ever a period in history where you didn't need faith The answer is no. So whether it's Old Testament or New Testament saints, faith is needed for everyone in every era of history. Right? So Abraham, who's before the promises, you know, he's before Israel as a nation, he's before the law, he's before all that stuff. Abraham needed faith to follow God during his lifetime. And then Moses and later, the people that lived under the Mosaic law, the Mosaic covenant, still needed faith and we're on the other side of the cross and we still need faith so it doesn't matter what period of history you live in it still takes faith now what that faith calls you to do is different and i'm so glad i don't have to go kill animals but my faith calls me to worship in a certain way and to come to god through christ i'm so grateful i'm not going to run around killing animals like that right when is faith going to no longer be necessary? Yeah, yeah. So think about 1 Corinthians 13, but now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. 
But at some point, you know, faith is going to be sight. Hope is going to be fulfilled. And all that's left is love. Love will never be done away with. Love will endure. But faith is going to be sight someday. You know, when Jesus comes back and he calls his own to be with him and with God, faith is fulfilled. Like, that, that's all done. Faith has become sight. But until then, everyone's going to need faith. So faith is needed for everyone in every era. Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's apply that to Abel for just a second. I really appreciate you mentioning that. Um, because people always try to figure out what was wrong with Cain's sacrifice. And this lets you know it wasn't by faith. So what does that mean? And there are a couple of possibilities. You think about Cain and Abel and what they offered. We don't know what God told them to do. But God told them to do something because faith had to to be involved, and faith is response to what God said. So, God told them something, we just don't know what it was. Was it the details, like he offered something different? I don't know, because in the Old Testament, grain offerings were accepted and commanded in Leviticus. So, was it that? I don't know. The text makes a big deal out of Abel offered of the first of his flocks. Cain did not offer the first of his crops. Was that the distinction? Maybe. There's another possibility. The other possibility is maybe he offered exactly what he ought to have offered, but he didn't believe. You know, the two families that do identical things, but faith is involved here and it's not here. That could be a possibility where he just didn't believe it. Whatever it was, there was something either in his heart with a lack of faith or he demonstrated a lack of faith in not obeying the way he should have. But faith wasn't involved with Cain's, but it was with Abel's. Abel's was by faith, right? So think about our worship. We could be in the same room, singing the same words of the same song, take the same elements of the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do in a little bit. All of that looks the same. Like if someone was watching as an observer, look at all these people doing the exact same thing. But if faith isn't involved, it doesn't do you a lick of good. Like, if you don't think you're doing it in response to what God has called you to do, you're just going through motions, right? So, great. I'm really glad you brought that up. Think about the list again. What were the responses to what some of these people did? So, Abel, he offered a more acceptable sacrifice. Good for Abel. Then what happened? Somebody killed him. What about Noah? Man, he constructed an incredible boat. Then what happened? Global flood kills everybody. By faith, Abraham leaves his home. And then what happens? 25 years of wandering as a nomad or a sojourner is the word that he uses while he waits for Isaac to be born. Has to go rescue his nephew. Watches his nephew go through what he goes through with Sodom and Gomorrah. 
you know, lies a couple times to try to keep people from hurting his family and his wife. And you can just keep going down through the list. Isaac, Jacob, Moses. By faith they did. By faith, maybe I, I'm leading a little bit. Does faith always have a positive, immediate outcome? It doesn't. Faith will have a variety of immediate outcomes. Think about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 3, the fiery furnace. Did they have great faith? What did Nebuchadnezzar do because of their faith? Pitched them in a fire. But were they right? Okay. There's something that I think the world hears from certain denominational groups. You know, just put your faith in God and by faith do what God wants you to do and everything's going to be great. Well, it could be. It may not. I don't know because there are factors that I can't control. I don't know how other people are going to respond to your faith. Like if you live in a predominantly Muslim country that's aggressively Muslim and you profess faith in Jesus, you're putting your life at risk. Is that right? It's right for you to put your life at risk. Is it right for them to do that to you? No. But the immediate outcome may not be pleasant, but it's still right. Okay? So as we talk with people about faith, we need to make sure we help them understand. Living by faith is right, but the immediate outcome may not be pleasant, but that's okay. We're not living for the immediate outcome. We're living for an outcome that we can't see yet. We're looking for a, a, a city whose builder and founder is God. Right? Because that's another theme with all of these people is this. Despite their immediate outcome, they were looking forward to the future. They were confident because of God of what they had to look forward to. They were confident about what God had in store for them. So a couple of verses through the chapter that make that point. Verse 10, Abraham was looking forward to to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Look at verse 26, talking about Moses. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to, looking forward to, the reward. Stay there, go back to verse 14. Talking about all these people who have died in faith, people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They're looking for something later that's better than what they've got right now. And when you see that idea in a couple other places, you see it in 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They know it's coming, it's just not here yet. You see it in 16, as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. They're looking forward to the home over there. Verses 20 through 22, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. He's looking to the future. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of, his sons of, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. He's blessing them for the future. Um, 22, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. He died, but his family hadn't received anything yet. And so believing that it would come down the road, he made plans 
for his future bones, what was going to happen, take them to that place. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight. Yeah. So this is this this goes to the whole discussion about faith, right? What, when it comes to earthly reality, heavenly reality, what does the world see? It, this. They see the earthly reality. That's it. But with eyes of faith, because I can't see it. I know there's a heavenly reality, but that requires faith to be able to see it. So I get to a moment where I have to make a decision, and on the earthly side, it's going to be uncomfortable and painful. And th that's all the world can see. But if I have eyes of faith, because I know what the invisible God has said, if I go through this, God is pleased, God is glorified. So even though this is unpleasant, this is good. And sometimes they'll both be good, or it'll be hard for a little while, but then get better. Sometimes not. But that's okay, because up here with eyes of faith, God is pleased, God is pleased, God is pleased, God is pleased. So this could be going in the tank. That's all right, because I'm not living for this. I'm living for this, but it requires eyes of faith. So we can see that nuance, but the world doesn't. All they see is, man, that guy just keeps making choices that get, make his life hard. Why would he do anything like that? And that goes back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. The conviction of things not seen. My life, my life is evidence. My life is evidence of the invisible. My life of faith is living proof of a, of a reality that you can't see. Why am I doing this? Because an invisible God has spoken. And an invisible God is going to reward me. And an invisible God has a hope for me and a, and a promise for me. And the way I live down here is evidence of this thing that you can't see. Yeah. Yes. 100%. So maybe another way of saying this sixth point is faith. Faith takes a long view on life. I'm not just making decisions for what may happen tomorrow or next week or whatever. I'm saying that there is an eternity on the other side of my death. And what I do here matters here. 
And so I'm like, I'm putting tent pegs down up here and saying, I'm living for this, not this. And look at verse 27. This goes along with the whole point we're making. Um, talking about Moses again. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He wasn't ultimately focused down here. He was ultimately focused up here. So even though things get rocky here, that's okay. Because uh, everything up here is good. As long as this is good, I can weather whatever is going on down here. So faith is living proof of the invisible. Now there's a word, there's a repeated word in Hebrews 11. Um, we've already read it a couple of times. Look at verse 2. Talking about faith, by it, the, for by faith the people of old received their, my version says commendation, right? Come down to verses 4 and 5. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts through his faith, though he died, still speaks. Go to the end of the chapter, verse 39. All these, though commended through their faith, didn't receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not, they should not be made perfect. The idea is we're all going to be perfected together in Christ. But the idea is they were commended. What's the idea of being commended or receiving a commendation? Yeah, you're, you're receiving an award or reward. They're saying, look at what so-and-so has done. Um, when veterans come over and we have Veterans Day, we're honoring them. for their, We're commending them in front of everybody. Look at what these people have done for us. Um, they might get medals. They might get plaques. And some people, they will collect those over the course of their lifetime, and it's like a commendation wall. You look at their wall. And they've got every little 4-H thing that they've ever gotten on the wall, and every little ribbon and little statues that are probably worth five bucks. Like that's, but that's their wall. Or people that have gone through a lot of education, they'll put their diplomas up there. You go into a doctor's office and you want to see something up there saying they did what they did. Gives you some trust in them, right? Why, how, how are we commended by God? Verse 2. faith God approves of us by our faith not by the the largeness of something that we've done or the impressiveness of something that we've done he's not worried about that what he's worried about is your faith like he doesn't come down to an evangelist and say okay you are a better evangelist than this guy because you baptized two more people in your lifetime than that guy did that's not how God's going to measure someone's evangelism what he's going to ask is were you faithful regardless of the earthly outcome were you faithful to me as an evangelist were you faithful to me as a husband were you faithful to me as a wife were you faithful as you parented kids were you faithful in responding to your parents the way that i want you to 
Were you faithful as a church, regardless of what the earthly outcome ended up being? Were you faithful? Did you demonstrate your faith in me? And that's what he's going to judge it by. Because as he goes down through here, it's not the earthly consequences or circumstances that he's evaluating. It's their faith. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Which is why in verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He doesn't say without the right numbers or without the right money in the account or without the right number in your church building or without the right. That's not, he doesn't care. Without faith, it's impossible. Which means the only way to please him is with faith. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So faith is the only way to receive God's approval. It's the only way. So I don't have to literally do all the things that everybody did. I just need to do what God's called me to do. That's it. That's really easy to say, but it requires faith. What do you all think about that? hard because it requires faith (laughs) all right because what you're saying this is what we're saying when we live by faith because we believe in all this invisible stuff but what that means is i don't on the earthly level i don't know what's coming next i can't see it because i'm not god that part of life is invisible to me it's unknown And so I'm having to trust someone who can see it and someone who does know, but he hasn't given me perfect knowledge. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yes. And and God gave us our senses, and part of what Jesus did during his ministry was he used that. You know, you, you have the man, uh, the lame man, and Jesus sees him, and his friends have lowered him down there, and the lame man really wants to be healed, but the first thing Jesus says is, son, your sins are forgiven you. And he makes this statement about invisible things that no one can see. And I'm sure he was like, that's not why I came through that roof. And everyone in the room was like, what are you talking about? That's a God thing. And then Jesus says, to help you understand that I can do God things, invisible things, let me do something physical that you can see. And the point was, I'm doing something here to help you know I do something here. Right. So he's trying to help increase their faith by helping them with what they can see, to use their senses, to, to go from the lesser to the greater, right? So we've already made this point, but we'll, we'll wrap up with this and then give an illustration that God always rewards faith. It's not just how we're commended. He rewards it. There's a reward for those who live lives of faith. Whatever that looks like here, whatever the circumstances or consequences end up being, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, verse 6. Okay, now... 
let's spend just a couple of minutes. We've got about five minutes. Um, let's talk about a helpful metaphor for faith. You know, uh, something that we can kind of wrap our arms around. Uh, the world will say faith is blind. You know, you Christians, you have a blind faith. Um, I disagree. Say, I disagree. Um, I was reading a book on evidences, and the guy wrote this, and I thought it was really helpful. The author's name was Arlie Hoover. He's passed on now. Um, he said, faith is a venture. It's based on evidence. Evidence adequate enough to justify the decision to leap. Evidence enough to create hope in the success of leaping. So one of the reasons that I found this so encouraging was I had a brother come home after his uh, first semester of college. And he said, yeah, my professors, one of the, my professors said this thing. And I think he's right. And I was like, okay, what did your teacher say? And he said, my teacher said that you cannot scientifically prove the existence of God. And I was like, eh, I don't think I, I agree with that. And he's like, no, he's saying that you cannot scientifically, unequivocally prove the existence of God. And I was like, look, I've been teaching evidences for years. There is all kinds of evidence for God. And he's like, you can. And so he and I got in this argument. And then when I went to bed that night and I thought about it some more, he's right. This is what I think he means. Because you cannot prove without a shadow of a, of a doubt the existence of God. Is there evidence for God? Absolutely. I think that's Romans 1. That the things plainly made speak to God's existence and his power. So I think there's evidence for God. Uh, case for Christ, love it. Case for Creator, love it. Ark Museum, Creation Museum, I think there are so many evidences for the existence of God. But all of those evidences cannot give you complete knowledge of the existence of God because that would take away the element of faith. Because faith requires a degree of not knowing. So I look at all the evidence, and I look at all of the evidence, and I think there's abundant evidence. But at some point, I have to look at the evidence, and there's going to be a gap in my knowledge, and I'm going to have to decide, do I believe the evidence to bridge that gap? And that's faith. So I went back to my brother the next morning, and I was like, your teacher was mostly right. <laughs> he was mostly right. I can't prove without a shadow of a doubt because that removes faith. But I have a whole lot of evidence to justify the decision to believe. And that's what he's saying. This is what Mr. Hoover is saying. My faith isn't blind because what the world would say is you have no evidence. Without any evidence, you're just choosing to believe. And so that's not true. Yeah. I mean, the first guy was insane, but, you know, so many people have done it successfully since then. Sure. I still haven't found the reason to jump out of a perfectly functioning airplane yet, but, you know, I have, I have success. I have hope in the success of that if I ever had to, right? And until I've done it, up until that point, it's faith, 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 until I do it and then my feet hit the ground, right? Great example, great example. There's another example, Indiana Jones, and the leap of faith is he's looking for the ark, and he gets to the very end, 
and there's this big chasm, and it's called the leap of faith in his dad's book, and that you cannot see, and you don't know, like, how am I going to get across this thing in all of his senses, but he trusts his dad. He trusts his dad's notebook, the words that he's written down. He tries to use his senses to go, is there something here that I can't see? And then at the end of the day, has to take a step. Was that blind faith? Because he had all this evidence that made the decision to choose to believe reliable, right? So you think about that concept of faith with Hebrews 11. All of these people, and it comes back to they trust the one who gave them the information because he's God. They trust him. So even though I, I can't see past the next five minutes, I trust the one who can. And he's proven himself reliable time and time and time and time again. So when I come to these gaps of not knowing, I'm going to choose to trust him over what I see. And that's faith. And then I'm going to do what he calls me to do, even though it doesn't quite make sense. I'm going to do what he calls me to do. Like Rahab, oh man, I can only imagine Rahab lives in the wall that's about to come crumbling down. And she stayed whole wall crumbles down but her section doesn't and she's delivered that was faith that's impressive all right that's our time hopefully that's that's good groundwork as we look at these specific examples and hopefully you know by wednesday as we wrap up all of our faith is stronger our faith in god and who what he says is stronger so that we can make the decision to choose to believe during these areas of times of life that we can't see past. All right, so thank you guys for your help this morning and your contribution. And uh, we'll get going again here in just a few minutes.